Hello, this is Jonathan Zapp of ZappOracle.com and speaking to you from the high desert of Boulder, Colorado, which is a mutant nexus at the base of the Flatiron Mountains. And we were recently uh, significantly flooded, but we're recovering nicely. And I'm going to talk today about a subject that's kind of an unpopular one when I bring it up to friends. It has to do with problems with the conspiracy view, and I get into trouble with a lot of people about this because <clears throat> um, although the conspiracy view is rather ubiquitous and transcends blue and red, people often feel very personally attached to it and feel um, very offended when you critique aspects of it. Now, first, let me say right off the bat that Obviously, there are conspiracies. History is full of conspiracies. It is full of false flags, the Reichstag fire, um, the Gulf of Tonkin incident done by the U.S. in the Vietnam era. Um, conspiracy view is nothing new t to me, and it uh, and valid conspiracy views. For example, as a child, uh, I always remember my dad, who, who was a uh, a socialist leader of some sort of the Deleonist socialist faction and assumed obviously correctly that he had an FBI file and believed that the CIA was up to all kinds of dirty tricks and was uh, doing all kinds of planting paid provocateurs and drugs to help uh, increase the possibility of declaring martial law. He was able to predict the Kennedy assassination very shortly before it happened because of some things, criticisms from John Kennedy of the CIA. And basically his view was entirely correct as far as I can tell and has been exonerated by facts that have come out since then. So what is the problem with the conspiracy point of view? Well, it's not that Every, that there are no conspiracies or that every conspiracy is wrong. It is a, uh, a certain way of looking at things that shows a very damaged reality testing um, that I find uh, amongst many of my friends um, who, who basically um, believe in a conspiracy interpretation, a grand conspiracy interpretation of the events unfolding on this planet. Uh, are there unseen dark forces at work? Absolutely. In fact, I believe stranger things than uh, what most conspiratists believe. The, the main thing that I'm a cr critic of is the idea that any group of human egos is sort of a masterful cabal, the New World Order, the Illuminati, etc., the reptilians, that are able to successfully puppet master world events. Uh, the evidence of current events is that we are not living in a world in which there are unseen puppet masters uh, who are uh, mind controlling everybody and causing everything to move in a single unified direction. The evidence and any reasonable witnessing of what's going on shows you actually that there are many competing spheres of power. Now, those competing spheres of power will sometimes act in similarly cold-blooded ways, but this does not necessarily mean 
that there is a group of, that they are one group. One of the reasons why uh, their activities um, and modus operandi and so forth may, may seem sort of cut from the same cloth is that um, has to do with psychopathy, which is something I've written about. And uh, it's also a podcast and a YouTube and it's called uh, Foxes and Reptiles, Psychopathy and the Financial Meltdown. So basically, if you have psychopaths um, in positions of power uh, where they are disproportionately represented, represented, and there's research to, that, that shows this, uh, that they are rep- overrepresented statistically amongst CEOs. Uh, and, and this is kind of, I think we may have even had a, a little unconscious sort of recognition of the problem of psychopathy in the whole idea of the 99% and the 1%. Well, as many people have pointed out, the 99% and the 1% is statistically inaccurate because the real financial elite that are concentrating more and more of the wealth, admittedly, huge problem. Uh, and there are conspiracy aspects of that for sure. It, it's statistically wrong because it's actually a fraction of 1%. However, the 99% versus the 1% is perfectly statistically accurate as the breakdown of the ratio between psychopaths and non-psychopaths. Psychopaths are 1% of the general population. In prisons, they're 20%. And, and, but they are overrepresented in places like Wall Street, politics, and in certain other leadership positions because they go to where the energy and the action is and they, they're always looking to gather power for themselves. So psychopaths will tend toward certain cold-blooded tactics and uh, do not have emotions as we usually understand them. They have proto-emotions like rage and frustration and so forth. So uh, you you could have diverse groups who uh, start to seem as if they're acting from a, a common motivation, but actually what you really have are competing spheres of power. And so uh, the folks in North Korea are not, and the folks in China um, are not working from the same playbook. I hate to use all these sort of cliches of expression like playbook and cut from the same cloth, but uh, speaking off the cuff, I'm trying to convey these ideas. That These are competitors that are battling it out, just like Samsung and Apple, uh, the fight between these two uh, great technological companies is not a staged event. Uh, they're, they're genuinely competing. Uh, they cooperate a little bit. There are Samsung chips and iPhones and so forth, but they're genuinely competitors. Um, there isn't one master Illuminati that's trying to make, make it only seem as if Apple and Samsung are competing. And so forth. But let me see. I've got some notes here. Start diving into some of this kind of stuff. So, um, another thing that you often, well, here's something. For example, you know, if you listen to most conspiracy views, there's a corporate culture that's just trying to mind control everybody through advertising. Now, again, the conspiracy view uh, basically takes certain truths and 
exaggerates them or misperceives them. Absolutely, advertising is mind control. That's straight up what it's supposed to do. Uh, the purpose of it, however, is not to um, create sheeple that are being led to slaughter by a new world order. It's to sell widgets. It's to sell you on particular products. The motivation is greed. It is not world dominance. One of the ways you can see this is that corporate culture has produced huge blockbuster movies. This is never explained by conspiratists who start out by saying, you know, this is all, this whole culture is mind control. It's trying to make you violent. It's trying to do this, that, or the other thing. And by the way, we've just become less violent. So that's another um, thing that you get from Alex Jones or Michael Cesarian I was just listening to is like evil's on the march. It's growing. It's expanding. It's about to, you know, take over everything. But actually, um, in, in, in an introduction at uh, Michael Cesarian YouTube that uh, I just saw introducing, he's talking about, you know, violence is up and it's up among the youth. Well, just the opposite is true. You know, watch the Steven Pinker um, you, um, TED Talk. It's one of the most popular ones. Uh, violence is dramatically in decline. Right now, we probably have the lowest per capita war death rate in thousands of years. Uh, Steven Pinker points out that statistically, your odds of dying from warfare growing up at being a young man in an indigenous rainforest tribe are far higher than any time in the West, including the bloody 20th century. Also, violence among youths is down very significantly since the 90s. And uh, right now, the U.S. is estimated to have the lowest homicide rate in its entire history. You know, if you, if you think about Europe, even, uh, it's supposed to be the paragon of civilization. When people were wearing swords and daggers not too long ago, these weren't merely ornaments. It's because they were being waylaid by highway robbers and murdered quite frequently. And it wasn't really all that long ago, even well into the 19th century, when it was considered totally acceptable family entertainment to go to public hangings. Well, this is a long tangent on how the conspiratists exaggerate the darkness aspect and the, the, the world going to hell in a handbasket and things have never been so bad when in fact, in a lot of ways, things have never actually been so good. They could go south, they could go bad at any time, but right now they haven't. And this is another... Uh, pet peeve is you hear people constantly talking about, we live in a police state. Well, there are a couple of bad things that, that I absolutely do take seriously and think are incredibly regrettable. We do have police with the SWAT team outfits looking more and more um, like a, an occupying army or like stormtroopers and so forth. And, and a lot of their tactics are brutal and over the top. Of course, if you think, if you're aware of what the old Irish police in New York were like, um, I'm old enough to actually remember a little bit of that, but didn't have to face the wrong side of that. But uh, definitely, they didn't hesitate to take people behind a building and uh, administer justice themselves. And when when uh, third degrees were not merely a um, a movie cliche in those days, and so forth. <clears throat> so, um, but again, that that is a troubling trend. Um, the surveillance possibilities are, are, are troubling. But on the other hand, um, there's a democratizing aspect 
of that because everybody's got a movie studio in their pocket and we can surveil the police state anytime we want and upload things. And some computer geek can uh, grab hold of a thumb drive and expose uh, unbelievable amounts. Imagine before we we had uh, turned information to zeros and ones trying to walk out with all the documents of an Edward Snowden or Bradley Manning. It wouldn't exactly fit into an attache case. So these things cut both ways. Uh, something that police state like that's extremely regrettable and should be changed immediately is the corporate prison system and the incredible number of people we incarcerate. Having said all that, we don't live in a police state. Police states are not that subtle. If you live in a police state, you're going to know 20 people personally who were taken away in the middle of night of the night and never seen again. So if you live in a police state, you don't need a guy on the radio like Alex Jones to tell you you're living in a police state. It won't be a subtle thing. It won't be something that only the awake people are aware of. Um, this is another one of the, my pet peeves is people who say, wake up, sheeple, and this kind of thing. Um, always worry about people that say, wake up, because it implies without any evidence that the speaker is awake. And that's almost never the case. Um, at best, a conscious person might make the claim that they're struggling to be awake or that they're working on waking up. But anybody that says wake up is already kind of pulling a fast one as far as I'm concerned. But this was all, I'm speaking off the cuff. So I, 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 I was talking before I went off in several tangents about <clears throat> um, is the corporate culture mind controlling us through advertisement and television and so forth. Actually, they're just trying to make money. And one of the ways you can see this, and it's amazing that uh, and this is one of the troubling things about the conspiracy point of view is that that shows a problem with reality testing is that uh, they never bother to notice uh, things that point dramatically in an altogether different direction. Okay, like for example, if if that's true, that the corporate culture is working together as one group of puppet masters to control us through their toxic television and commercials and so forth. So how did a major movie studio put tens of millions of dollars to make a movie like The Matrix, which brilliantly um, mythologized the idea that everything could be a deception and that you could really be controlled and be harvested for your energy and so forth? Um, or a movie that's out on the big screen right now, Elysium. I don't know what major motion stu picture studio made this movie with Matt Damon and Jodie... Uh, uh, oh, the Jodie, what's her name, a major movie star. Uh, obviously, tens of millions of dollars went, went into this movie. It's not the most brilliant movie like The Matrix, but... What it does is it shows you an extremely effectively <clears throat> a a toxic view of the elite. And in this dystopian future, the elites who are corporatists and and have concentrated all the wealth and the highest technology live above the earth in a space station. It's sort of star shaped. Uh, 
almost looking like a sheriff's badge floating in the sky. Everybody can see it from the earth. And the, and the 99%, so to speak, you know, who of course are more like 99.9% are left behind on earth living in a grim dystopian world, uh, a, a planet wide ghetto and so forth while, while the wealthy, um, view them as cattle and don't hesitate to kill them and so forth. Um, it, it's basically, this is the perfect representation as a science fiction movie of everything that the conspirators say. Well, but then how did the corporate culture that's supposed to be mind controlling us, what they didn't notice? No, they're just like, ah, eh, we've got Matt Damon as a principal here. This looks like a pretty hot plot. It's kind of like Matrix meets such and such. You know, they're like, this is going to make us a lot of bucks. That's really where they're coming from. They're not making movies. Yeah, once in a while, they make a movie that's like obviously like the U.S. military cooperated with and so forth. But um, this is not how they're making movies. They're not like, how can we control the sheeple to like uh, go along with the new world order? No, they're they're interested in making money, and uh, and that's why they will gladly make. There there have been uh, a score scores of movies made that basically uh, it's almost become. It really has become a stereotype. I know this is going to offend some conspiracy. Um, people be um, people from the conspiratist point of view because they feel like they're revolutionaries. They're they're not one of the sheeple. They know the truth, and people don't want to accept us. Well, actually, this is an extremely commonly held point of view. You hear it on right wing talk radio. You hear it at rainbow gatherings. You hear it at, everywhere. Um, it, it's it's extremely common amongst uh, many of my friends, and so. It's not revolutionary. You're, you're not being an anti-sheeple by having this point of view because you're part of a cast of many, many millions of people who hold the same point of view. And that's why there are so many movies made by major movie studios that represent this exact point of view. Um, and we could go through a long list of them. Uh, my brain will freeze up trying to think of all the names, but search your mind. You know this to be true. Okay. <clears throat> All right. So, um, another common conspiracy meme that I get all the time is like, you can't trust the corporate media. It's all just a bunch of lies and so forth. Meanwhile, they never seem to apply uh, reality test. Who's better at telling you what's actually going on and predicting events? Mainstream media or purveyors of conspiracy thought like Alex Jones. Uh, I've been listening to him for an extremely long time because uh, I listen to Coast to Coast AM. Highly recommend it. Everybody should get a uh, subscription to their uh, Coast Insider and so forth. Been on the show four times myself. But about 75% of the guests on Coast to Coast represent the conspiratist point of view. And yet when each one comes on, they act as if they've had this revolutionary breakthrough and they're shocking the audience and telling them things for the first time. And uh, also, uh, they never seem to remark at all that they're speaking to on a radio show that's the most listened to late night show on the planet that's popular with police, for example, uh, and that it's going out on like some 550 radio stations across North America, worldwide on the internet. It's produced by Clear Channel Audio, a major corporate 
radio producer that, uh, um, as far as I know, still produces the Rush Limbaugh show. Um, why didn't the Illuminati, the global corporatists, buy out Clear Channel and prevent this show from constantly representing the conspiracy point of view? Well, um, if you're a true believer, you don't ask yourself such questions that lead to disconfirming answers because you want to conserve your belief system. So if you listen to Alex Jones, um, as I have for a long time, and you're paying attention, you notice that the things that he says are about to happen just don't seem to happen. Okay, I remember Alex Jones in 2007, and he was all about, uh, you know, Bush just signed the blah, 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 blah. Look it up, sheeple. It, they signed something that, where they can cancel the election. There's not going to be a 2008 election. They've got the Amero ready to go. They've got the FEMA camps ready to go. Only none of that ever happened. Um, but, but yet, people continue to trust his version of events rather than the mainstream media. Uh, well, like, for example, <clears throat> right after 9-11 happened, uh, I, I was listening to NPR like a day or two after, and, one, and there was some kind of call-in thing because they, they weren't going to run other programming. Everybody was too much in shock, so they just had somebody on and, and taking phone calls. And one caller after another was saying, like, the media is in total lockdown mode. They're not letting the truth out. They're so forth and so on. And yet none of these callers seemed to even notice that they were calling in to a national NPR radio show, an organization partly funded by government money and being allowed to say whatever they want. Then when I would point that out to some of my conspiratist friends at the time, they're like, oh yeah, well, you see, they just want you to make you think that you have free speech. And this is a classic conspiratist little mind trick. It's like, no matter which way things go, it still points to the conspiracy. It's, it's heads I win, tails you lose. So if, if they were censoring callers who were, and only, and only um, having callers, because you can screen calls, it's very easy to do this invisibly and are only having callers say, calling into NPR saying like, go George Bush, take down the terrorists. Then, then of course they would say like, look, NPR has all these liberal minded people yet when, you know, the only ones allowed to, to, to speak, the only callers allowed to speak were furthering the corporatist global agenda of 9-11. But then when it goes all the way the other way and one person after another is allowed to speak representing the total opposite point of view, then it's just, oh, well, you see, they want you to think. So it can always be explained to conserve the conspiracy. Uh, another like immediate post 9-11 thing, and I will get into 9-11 at some point, or maybe very soon, uh, we'll see, but <clears throat> that you got constantly after, well, um, you know, and, and, and obviously, let me, let me say this, and, and as far as like uh, mainstream media, I'm not talking about Fox News. Fox News is a conspiracy network. It is a pure propaganda mill. Uh, no, no question about that. Um, so if you're only talking about Fox News, uh, the conspiratists would be exactly right. But um, I remember right after 9-11 seeing a, a funny Tom Tomorrow cartoon where there are two news anchor types um, and there's a woman news anchor and she's saying like, why do they hate us? And, and the 
and the male news anchor says, you know, because we're free, just like George Bush said or, or something, and just to, and as if this is what the mainstream media was, was saying as a way of explaining 9-11. But then just a few days after I saw that cartoon, I saw almost synchronistically um, Newsweek doesn't get much more mainstream than Newsweek, at least at the time when it was still a magazine, still in business, um, has a cover that says why they hate us. Uh, you've got some notes on this here. And I've got some follow-up writings on this. You can read, like, um, Reality Testing is Politically Incorrect. It's also a YouTube and a podcast. And I also get into some of the ways that people pursuing esoteric subjects deceive themselves in um, another document, podcast, YouTube, called Carnival 2012, a psychological study of the corporate media. So... Then, so I decided, you know, I'm going to get this magazine and see if 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 uh, they really are just saying it's because we're free and if it's just a bunch of corporate controlled um, lies. Because Newsweek, I'm sure, was part of that whole few corporations that's supposed to own all the media and be controlling our point of view. So then I find that there's a 20-page article. Begins with a sentence: "Quote to dismiss the terrorists as insane is to delude ourselves." Four sentences later, they dismiss the statement, we stand for freedom and they hate it. And then what follows is a nuanced, probing look into cultural, religious, geopolitical variables that have brought their hatred about. The West is not portrayed wearing a white hat. It's also stated in the Newsweek article, the daily exposure to Israel's iron-fisted rule over the occupied territories has turned this into the great cause of the Arab and indeed the broader Islamic world, unquote. Elsewhere, they look at America policy in the region as cynically geared toward America's oil interests, supporting thugs and tyrants without hesitation. But now, if you're a conspiratist, you would never bother to read Newsweek or actually see what's being said in mainstream media because you already know it's all lies. And so this is another thing that I find goes with the conspiratist view is that their information comes from conspiracy internet memes. Um, they don't bother to, they often don't know really basic things about how government works and, and really basic things about current events because they don't bother to read mainstream media. But, but Noam Chomsky, for example, where does he get his information? He reads the Wall Street Journal because he says that, that it's designed for people with money and that those people need accurate information and usually what's in there is highly accurate. Yeah, I'm sure he's not endorsing the Wall Street Journal editorial page, but uh, the facts in the mainstream media tend to be far more accurate than the facts of um, conspiracy spokespersons like Alex Jones. Yes, the media, um, mainstream media, has many sins of omission, and they tend to mock certain um, things that would be worth talking about more seriously, like ufology. But generally, the information that they put up has had some kind of basic fact-checking, um, and it's more likely to be accurate than um, the, the hodgepodge of urban legends that is often amounts to the conspiratist view. Well, why don't we dive into um, uh, 9-11 just a little bit um, since it's already come up. And let me say right off the bat, uh, again, false flag idea, totally reasonable. Um, 
after not too long after 9/11, I was in British Columbia. Somebody lent me a Mike Rupert tape, and I was pretty shocked by this tape in which he was a very early presenter of the 9/11 conspiracy view because he seemed to have lots of great evidence. I then sent a copy of it uh, to my dad, who then wrote back again, who is a conspiratist himself back in the day. And he wrote back like a 12-page letter just um, because he, uh, unlike most conspiratists, was extremely informed about world events and so forth and devoured newspapers and could tell you everything going on in every country pretty much. Um, And he just sent back like a 12-page letter just pointing out the factual errors, the wrong assumptions and, and, and so forth. And I've gone back and forth on the subject. Um, Probably the person who convinces me the most is Peter Lance, who's an investigative journalist and has shown the mountains of evidence about uh, Islamic terrorists, remember, who almost blew up the World Trade Center towers in 1991. In fact, um, as Peter Lance points out, you know, they they, they set off a truck with 5,000 pounds of urea explosive. Had they parked that truck in a different part of the uh, parking underground parking lot, they would have in fact caused more damage than 9/11. They would have broken through a concrete basin that basically sort of keeps the Hudson River out of Lower Manhattan, and it would have um, put Lower Manhattan under water. Basically, it would have done more damage than Sandy, Hurricane Sandy. Um, and one of their masterminds was a, a engineer who studied skyscrapers. Uh, now, Peter Lance is not exactly an advocate of the government. He's one of the harshest and most informed critics of the government, um, has huge blame for the FBI uh, for the events of 9-11, is very open to the idea that they knew something was coming and chose to look the other way to serve their agenda. Um, are there strange facts about 9-11 that bear further investigation, like how the terrorist passports fell out of the planes and so forth? You bet. I'd be all for further investigations um, to look into every aspect of it. However, one of the things about the 9-11 truth movement that I don't care for is, first of all, calling yourself a truth movement. Okay, So that already announces that you're a fundamentalist, right? Because you own the truth. And anybody that opposes a truth movement is some kind of a liar or a sheeple um, that needs to wake up or something. And yet, um, I find that the truthers that I've run into often haven't done the most elementary kind of reality testing. Like, like basically, if you just start thinking for a moment about the 9-11 false flag theory... Okay, so then you have to assume that the the Bush administration is in on this, obviously. And you uh, assume that, well, um, this is a conspiracy that would have taken hundreds, if not thousands of people to pull off because you have to make whole plane loads of citizens disappear forever. You've got to uh, wire up the Trade Center towers, um, a a job requiring hundreds or thousands of, of man hours. Um, though, though now even I think the loose change people have backed away from the idea of the controlled demolition theory, which looked very impressive. You know, you see these puffs of smoke 
or whatever coming out as the floor is pancaked down. But then that's just been explained by, you know, if you have floors pancaking down, then like gases escape from somewhere. But we'll, 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 I'll get into a little bit of, of that kind of thing. I mean, there, there are just many things that are facts about 9-11 that are thrown off continually that don't turn out to be true. Like the buildings, how did the buildings fall at free fall speed? Well, they didn't fall at free fall speed. It was slower than that. And the buildings also, amazingly, fell in the direction of where they were hit by the planes. They collapsed to where the plane, whereas with the controlled demolition, that would not be true. Um, in 2010, I on Coast to Coast AM, which is the greatest venue ever for people who want to talk about 9-11 truth, and they, they're on constantly, and almost all the talk about 9-11 is coming from the assumption that it's a false flag. And again, this show goes out to millions of people, and no one's, no one's pulled it down. Um, and, but... Ian Punnett, one of the hosts who recently retired from Coast to Coast, did a debate. And let's see if I can find my notes on that. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, it was, uh, let's see, it was on, um, in case it's, you can find it on the Coast Archive, possibly, it was August 21st of 2010. I was really interested because I'm still open to the false flag idea. I would not put that past the U.S. government or any group of human beings to do diabolical things. Obviously, that happens throughout history. And once again, I, I believe in unseen dark forces. I actually believe something quite a bit stranger than the human group of human egos doing things. People can check out the Mind Parasite section of my site for more. But this was a debate between Richard Gage from Architects and Engineers for 9-11 Truth. And he had somebody else, I believe, from that organization who was highly credentialed, and physicist David Dave Thomas, and this is fantastic. You know, I love, I love debates between people who are really well-informed. I was on the Bronx Science debate team, and I thought this is going to be a fantastic forum, and, um, and basically, <clears throat> Dave Thomas, I thought, just mopped up the floor with the 9-11 guys. I mean, they were just left stumbling because so many things that, that, that the 9-11 um, view, truth view is based on just don't hold up. There were perfectly good reasons why Building 7 collapsed. And, and the conspiracy idea is like, well, that was where they had their command center. And like, so, and, and, and for, for reasons that like are thought to be too obvious to really explain, of course, the conspiratists want to take down their own facilities for whatever reason. Um, and, you know, you can find a lot of this, um, uh, online, what's wrong that even Noam Chomsky, um, is he a right winger? Is he a, someone paid off by the corporate culture? He calls the truther view of 9-11 nonsense because it's just, it's impossible to keep such a vast secret. The Bush administration, like all presidential administrations was riddled with embarrassing leaks all the time. Um, but here, here's another thing that, that one of the first things that I always ask truthers and they've never even thought of this question. I'm like, well, you know, if they could pull off this vast conspiracy to do all this stuff, to make the buildings collapse, to, you know, attack the Pentagon and, and so forth. Why didn't they just plant a little WMD in Iraq? Right. 
that would have saved them tremendous grief. It would have um, given them much more political clout. They would have had much more support from the American people to go on further military adventures. And planting WMD in Iraq would be a total cakewalk. After all, we sold Saddam Hussein WMD. We could plant some of our own stuff in there. Why didn't that happen if there are these super powerful puppet masters pulling off all this kind of stuff? You know, maybe they could come up with an answer for that. What really shows the flaw in the reality testings, testing of truthers is in every single case when I've asked that, it's never even occurred to themselves to ask that question. Okay. So <clears throat> continuing a little bit. Um, oh, well, here's another one that really bugs me is, well, what about Larry Silverstein? He said they were going to pull the buildings. Okay, so first of all, you know, here's another 9-11 um, conspiracy view that is ubiquitous in the Arab world. And I've done opinion pollings, and I believe a majority of people um, in many Arab countries believe no Jews died on 9-11. Now, we know that the recent uh, mall terrorists in, in Africa um, asked, tried to discover who was a Muslim, and then they let them go and, and slaughtered people who are non-Muslims. So I guess they assume that they're uh, this bloodthirsty um, way of doing things would work um, in other directions as well. Well, um, there were a zillion Jews killed on 9-11. It was, it was in New York with a high Jewish population. At my parents' temple on the Upper East Side of Manhattan, there were several funerals of people who died at 9-11. Now, it just so happens that one of the people... Um, who's a member of the temple is Larry Silverstein. Okay, so we have to assume that this world Jewish conspiracy guy didn't mind killing people from his own synagogue. In fact, when when um, he gave a little talk at the temple, um, he, he was scheduled to have lunch at Windows in the World, but some, some mishap caused him to miss that appointment or, or he would have been there. Now, of course, they'll say, oh, you, you believe that? cover story. But let's get to this thing where they say, well, he said they were going to pull Building 7. Like, isn't that a smoking gun? Okay, so let's think about that for a minute. So first of all, um, firefighters are on the record that they knew that Building 7, which had been bur burning and mostly neglected for several hours, was going to come down, and they decided to pull the firefighters out. Pulling the building, which is rarely used in the world of demolition, does not mean the uses, use of explosives to destroy a building, but the use of cables to pull a building away from another building. But what Silverstein was referring to was the decision by the FDNY chief Daniel Negro to pull firefighters from the building because they knew it was in danger of collapse and so many lives had already been lost. You can look this up. Uh, there are many online sources for this. Um, and so you can find some of the links uh, to evidence of that in um, reality testing is politically incorrect. But let's reality test the other proposition um, that 9-11 truthers believe that Larry Silverstein meant that they were going to do a controlled demolition of the building. Now, it never occurs to them to wonder, okay, so Larry Silverstein, he's obviously in on the conspiracy. So, I, But I guess he just forgot for a moment 
that he was part of this conspiracy and just decided to tell mainstream press reporters that they were going to pull the building. You know, this is something they never explain is they, they quote, usually taking things out of context or whatever, all these major figures saying these things, but yet these conspiracists seem amazingly non-secretive. Uh, and that's never explained. Okay. Um, at, uh, a coffee shop in Boulder, I, I had a couple of, uh, hardcore nine lever truthers, you know, in a very obnoxious way, trying to argue and try and talk me down and shout me down and so forth. Um, and, uh, one of them said like, what about United flight 93? That just left a small hole in the ground. And, um, and the flight recorder, but no human remains were ever found. And I'm like, really a small hole in the ground. That sounds suspicious. So then I just go on YouTube and I mean, there's all this footage of, you know, a classic plane crash site with like debris scattered everywhere. Um, people will say this about, uh, the plane that crashed in the Pentagon, but there were like pieces of the fuselage that were found. There were bodies all over the place, pieces of bodies and so forth. But you just say something often enough and it fits with a conspiracy view and people just pick that up and start saying it to other people and they never even bother uh, to check any of that kind of stuff. So um, what's going on? Uh, one thing is, are there strange facts about 9-11? Yes. But one of the principles, and I talk about this especially in Carnival um, 2012, is I have a saying, and I know it's been true for my life, um, which is, wherever you cast your obsessive attention, there shall you find weird patterning. Now, if you are a high school student um, doing bong hits and reading Aleister Crowley and playing records backwards, then, of course, you're going to have weird synchronicities that are going to uh, take you off into some dark, deluded trip of some kind. Um, and, you know, these, these weird patternings um, just happen throughout ordinary reality without necessarily human conspiracy being involved. For example, it's a bit of a weird pattern that the terrorist attack in Spain apparently occurred 911 days after 9-11. Okay. Now, does that mean it was an intentional numerological hint of some kind planted there? Um, well, if you are a conspiracist, absolutely, that, that's the answer. But it could just be um, a, one of those weird patternings. Um, actually, if you want to get into 9-11, and this is another aspect of conspiracy view, is that it involves a certain political correctness, which is basically a template of what projections you're allowed to have and what not to have. And basically, the conspiratist thing is a sort of uh, template in which you're only allowed to project the dark force onto certain groups, like the Illuminati, the New World Order, the U.S. government said to be part of it, the Israeli government, uh, globalizing corporations. And therefore, um, uh, fanatical Islamic jihadists get a total free pass, right? Even among non-conspiracy people on the left, it's assumed that if any indigenous group or non-white group does something bad, then um, 
And if they actually did it even, then then it was merely reactive. It's because we made them bad or something like that. Um, whereas my position is the polyvalent aspect of evil. It has an independent origination everywhere in everybody and not just in certain groups. But this is one of the advantages of a conspiratist view is that there are certain people wearing the black hat. And now the conspiratist, it can actually be a conspiratist not to look at their own personal darkness. I'll get into that maybe near the end. But um, so uh, Islam had world conquering tendencies uh, long before there was an Israel or a U.S. And they nearly conquered Europe. In fact, Muslim armies um, uh, almost succeeded and were stopped outside the gates of Vienna on September 11th, 1683. So you could uh, read more about the political correctness and where you're allowed to have shadow projection in a series on my website called Projection, the Enemy of Peace and Justice. By the way, um, some of the same people are also big fans of Terrence. My late colleague, Terrence McKenna, just had, did a podcast with Bruce Damer, who's on the same page um, with me and with Terrence about the conspiracy view. Here's something that, that Terrence McKenna said about the conspiracy view. Into that dimension of anxiety created by this inability to parse reality rushes a bewildering variety of squirrely notions, epistemological cartoons, if you will. Conspiracy theory, in my humble opinion, is a kind of epistemological cartoon about reality. Isn't it so, isn't it so simple to believe that things are run by the greys and that we, all we have to do is trade sufficient fetal tissue to them and then we can solve our technological problems? Or isn't it comforting to believe that the Jews are behind everything or the Communist Party or the Catholic Church or the Masons? Well, these are epistemological cartoons. It is kindergarten in the art of amateur historiography. I believe that the truth of the matter is far more terrifying, that the real truth that dare not speak itself is that no one is in control, absolutely no one. This stuff is ruled by the equations of dynamics and chaos. There may be entities seeking control, but to seek control is to take enormous aggravation upon yourself. It is like trying to control a dream. And that was from a McKenna talk called Dreaming Awake at the End of Time. So basically, no group of human egos is able to take control of the globe. It's kind of like what um, uh, Princess Leia said to, uh, I forget his name, he was played by Peter Cushing in the first film, he was some kind of uh, imperial general. And uh, she said, you know, the more you try and tighten your grasp, the more star systems will slip through your fingers. That's the world we see. There's a lot more incompetence, chaos, and competing spheres of power, not one group of puppet masters. You really just aren't up on current events if you can believe that everything is being pushed in one direction by any single group. I'm back. Apologize for the hard splice there, but sometimes life interrupts YouTube. And just a few more points to make, probably another 10 minutes. Thanks for your patience. And camera angles changed. Hopefully it's that wide angle foreshortening thing is not making me look like a, as much of a Cro-Magnon as it was earlier because of how I set up the height and everything. 
So uh, a few more points about how people get led astray with a conspiracy point of view. And there's a document and a podcast um, and a YouTube called Carnival 2012. I gave a, a wrong subtitle for it before. It's called uh, um, a psychological, the subtitle is A Psychological Investigation of the 2012 Phenomenon and the 22 Pitfalls and Blind Spots of Esoteric Research. So conspiracy goes under esoteric research because it's about investigating the unseen. And one of the blind spots or pitfalls is that um, when you contact material from the collective unconscious, it's filled with a very high energetic charge. And what happens is because um, the idea, or I shouldn't even say the idea, but sort of the archetype of unseen dark forces uh, controlling the human species has powerful truth in it that then when a person contacts that they feel understandably they've had a revelation and they may take what whatever they experienced literally or they may take the the next person they hear who seems to explain it and says yes there is a you can feel wrongness to the world. There's a splinter in your mind you can't get out. This is the world that's been pulled over your eyes, and it is the fill-in-the-blank, the Illuminati, the Reptilians, the New World Order, the World Jewish uh, Conspiracy, whatever, um, doing it all, and they'll seem to have these facts to back that up, and so because uh, their uh, explanatory template matches what you already felt, then it's easy to just go with that. Um, or if you're the one, um, and, and the people who are doing that may be quite sincere, and um, one of the ways of telling that somebody, because archetypes can both inspire and possess, I've been on both sides of that, and one of the ways you can tell that somebody's been possessed by this kind of material is that they're filled with a compulsive need to proselytize. Um, they sort of want to spread the psychic contagion, and uh, that need to proselytize um, is often a real warning sign. Uh, Jung talked about those terrifying invalids who think they have a mission to save the world. And when Freud was once asked if when he was younger, did he think he was going to save the world, he said, no, the sadistic side of my personality was never that strong. So uh, I'm going to give an example of uh, it, it, uh, using Alec, our friend Alex Jones and um, as part of the example, and other people who were kind of uh, saying very similar things when we had the uh, some of the work, really bad shootings recently, like the Batman shooting and the Sandy Hook shooting. And I wrote something about the Batman shooting called the Batman shooting and crossover effects. It's on my site and on YouTube. And so I was paying close attention to that event and was interested to hear what they had to say about it. And very predictably, Holmes had to be a Manchurian candidate. And what was the motive? Because it was hard for them to imagine that in a country of 304 million people that somebody could just go crazy without an unnatural cause. Um, they, they believed he was conditioned. There were multiple shooters. Um, and the whole thing seemed wrong to them, and the motive would be that they wanted to scare people about guns so that they would agree to gun control and Obama's coming for your guns with his UN or FEMA troops or whatever. So um, 
you know, now if you wanted to look for a real conspiracy or something that underreported about these shootings, uh, I've pointed out for years, as of others, the SSRI connection that almost all of these rampage and going postal type shooters turn out to be on SSRIs, and it's in the pharmaceutical company's own literature that, that these substances can cause homicidal and suicidal ideation. Even if that's in a small percentage of people in a country of 300 million, it's almost surprising we don't have more of these incidences. Anyway, um, so that's very sufficient to explain it, but, one, but um, on a coast-to-coast -coast show, someone who was introduced as one of Alex Jones' key colleagues who works with him every day, um, and I think it might have been John Wells who was on Saturday, um, this guy comes on and is talking about the whole Manchurian candidate, and he keeps saying very sarcastically, and we're supposed to believe, and we're supposed to believe this, and we're supposed to believe that. And one of the things was, and we're supposed to believe that, you know, he has all these, he's just this college student, and yet he has a, 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 a apartment just wired with all these explosives. Well, he was a brilliant student studying neuroscience. I mean, you don't maybe even need to have that much science to figure out how to wire up explosives. And he said he had all these explosives, and conveniently, they didn't go off. So this just shows, and this is why you often can find the flaws in their thinking without doing any research, because you see the total inconsistency and breakdown in reality testing and even testing your own statements. Because, of course, from the point of view of his theory, the Manchurian candidate theory to scare people, to go along with gun control, it was totally inconvenient that the apartment didn't blow up, right? That would have been far more alarming to people. But um, the, the inconsistencies are not recognized, um, even when they're extremely obvious like that. But then let's follow that theory out further because it got picked up again with Sandy Hook, and there were supposed to be secret multiple shooters there, and, and so on and so forth. And, um, you know, the, first of all, Obama wanted to take away your guns, and that they were going to scare people so they could take away the guns and so forth. And, and it was very, very clear from people who understood how politics were actually working in the country and what was going on, that Obama and Really, none of the Democrats wanted to touch gun control, the 10-foot pole. It was a radioactive tar baby. They knew that a genuine conspiracy, in the sense of a group with an unholy amount of lobbying power, the NRA, was going to just do an all-out assault on anybody who breathed a word of gun control. And, of course, that exactly happened. But after Sandy Hook and all these children were killed, there was so much pressure from the left and from his own party um, to do something that very reluctantly they, they took up some kind of a very weak gun control measure. And, um, and then all of those, Alex Jones and all of those kind of people were like, here it is, folks, they're coming for your guns right now, and the FEMA camps are waiting, and blah, 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 blah. And then what happened with all that? Well, the measure, the bill was voted down in Congress, if you remember. Um, it was the, the so-called government conspiracy to take away your guns was defeated and shut down by the government. So I guess the folks in the government in Congress didn't know they were part of the conspiracy or something, but it seemed like uh, it didn't happen. But that's but then on to the next conspiracy. Like they never say like, hmm, you know, uh, 
We thought they were doing all this to get this government shutdown going, and then they got this legislation up there, and even this weak legislation is voted down. What does that tell us about the theory? Well, apparently nothing. So whenever um, weird patterning, the, the events can have weird patterns without that weird pattern improving anything conspiratorial because just like somebody who is infatuated with someone, you're thinking of that person and now the moment you think about them, a love song comes on the radio or maybe it's got their name in it or something. <clears throat> Whatever you're obsessed with, <clears throat> there are going to be synchronicities <clears throat> uh, related to it. Some of it can be because you're noticing more stuff related to it. Other times it, it's real uncanny, uncanny stuff, but it doesn't mean you're on the right track because you've had a synchronicity. Synchronicity is a trickster aspect of the unconscious that is consistently underestimated or not just recognized at all. And one of the great harms, I'll just close with this thought, one of the harms in conspiracy thinking is that it boosts evil and darkness, and evil and darkness is ubiquitous. It can be found in the heart of everybody <clears throat> and in every group. And, but when you have this operatic scale evil, when you have shape-shifting reptilian Illuminati eating uh, live fetuses for breakfast, then <clears throat> that's on such a grand scale that the fact that you're an asshole to your girlfriend or something is sort of beneath notice because uh, you know, you're, you're fighting the, uh, the Sith overlords or something like that. <clears throat> and so um, it's terrible for shadow integration. Goethe said, if you want to clean up the whole world, begin with your doorstep. But people would actually rather begin with some they. And you can read a document and a podcast on my website called How to Empower Evil, Keep Talking About They. People would rather not clean up their own doorstep and look at their own darkness, and they would rather have a, a, a group of grand evil wearing black hats because now they're this innocent revolutionary trying to wake up the sheeple. Anyway, um, thank you very much for listening. Uh, Again, hope you follow the general points. Uh, specific things could be wrong. We could find out that 9-11 really was a, a false flag operation and so forth and so on. <clears throat> I'm open to being proved wrong about any of this. <clears throat> I just hope that people who are uh, sort of absolutely identified with the conspiratist view will uh, be open-minded to some of my points as well. So thank you so much for listening and or watching. This is Jonathan Zapp of zapporacle.com signing off.